You are now listening to the Over the Hill podcast. Right, what's happening people? Welcome to episode number 11 of the Over the Hill podcast. Random one today, flying solo for the first time. I did have a special guest lined up over the weekend, but some plans fell through. We couldn't get together to record, so that one's going to be rescheduled. Um, And I didn't want to just bring in any random guest to kind of just sit around and and, and talk nonsense without being really prepared or without any, you know, uh, without having any sort of idea of what to say and, you know, the conversation and stuff. Lastminute.com isn't really my thing. So as much as the conversations on here are casual and unplanned and you know I don't write any questions down or anything like that I just wing it um much like I do with life um you know I didn't just want to drag someone else in and put them in that environment so you've got just me and I guess it's really going to test my chops as a podcast host to see if I can sit here and talk for at least an hour uninterrupted without any sort of uh anyone to bounce off which is kind of what the guest thing's about it's really easy to sit down with people and just chat shit and have a conversation and and just record it you know i had this i had this conversation a few times with people and they're just like how how how, how can you sit there and, and just talk for three hours and it's like well you don't go out of your friends and sit around a table and talk for three hours do you all sit in silence <laughs> are you mutes <laughs> you know so it's not difficult for me to sit in a room, and the last episode is proof of that. Sit in a room with someone I know, um, or even if I don't know them that well, and actually just go on and on for hours. Um, the last episode was four hours long. Don't worry, I will not be giving you four hours of just me talking today. I would never do that to you, I promise. <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of things to get into today. I want to do a bit of a segment on the uh, the past weekend's events in UFC and boxing as well. I'm going to talk a little bit about combat sports in this episode. Uh, look forward to the future and stuff like that. And, you know, I know a lot of people know me as, with these podcasts, especially being, you know, the music guy and big part of my life is radio. But, you know, if you're a long time listener or if you've heard me on other podcasts, you will hear that I'm a big MMA fan. Not so much a big boxing fan, but a big MMA fan. So um, we'll get into that in just a little bit. But um, I, I looked this morning on online and was looking for some inspiration for trending topics and stuff. And, you know, I, everyone who knows me knows I'm quite political and I speak my mind with regards to the the bullshit that this government pulls and things like that. So um, I won't I won't go in too hard with stuff like that because... I'll probably alienate a few people and upset a few people as well, but, you know, fuck the Tories and that. Um, But I went on Twitter and had a little little trend in, look at the trends online and whatever, and uh, everyone was absolutely fucking furious about the finale of Line of Duty. And by finale, I think it is the last ever episode. So um, (laughs) it was funny to me to read it um, because as a, Game of Thrones fan there's a, there's a couple of parallels there one of the parallels is that I am one of these people that has never ever seen an episode of Line of Duty and during the height of Game of Thrones for whatever reason cunts on Twitter and everywhere else felt it was the greatest thing in the world to point out that they'd never ever seen an episode of Game of Thrones have I told you am I the only person am I the only person who's never seen an episode of Game of Thrones Am I the only person? No, Sharon, you're not, all right? Game of Thrones has been watched by a few million people and there's several billion people on this planet. 
the amount of people that have seen Game of Thrones, there's more people that live in New York as a state, not necessarily as a city, but as a state, or even as the UK. Less than the population of the UK have seen Game of Thrones. Most people in the world, even like in in you know massive massive countries across the world, don't even have access to television. There's still plenty of people out there who haven't got access to television, let alone HBO or Sky Atlantic. So no, Sharon, you're not the only person who has never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. Um, I just had to get that off my chest, fucking hell. But I am one of them people who's never seen an episode of Line of Duty. Not that I feel the need to post about it or talk about it. Um, so there's that parallel, which is quite funny to me. Um, so it was I was going to start messaging people who were doing the Game of Thrones thing. But... Um, no, I'm not that petty. Well, I am, but who has time? Um, the other parallel is obviously that everyone went on and on and on about Line of Duty until the very last episode, which happens a fair bit with shows. You know, you can't you can't take for granted that every show you watch is going to have a good ending. Anyone who's a fan of, you know, How I Met Your Mother, for example, Everyone loved that show and they fucking hated the ending. It's not a show I particularly got into. I watched a few episodes here and there and I didn't really care either way. But I do know the feeling of when you're invested in a show and the ending is either shit or takes you completely by surprise. Now, obviously, I don't know anything about Line of Duty. I don't know any of the characters. All I know is there's a big drama over someone called H. Um, I was thinking the blonde fella from Steps, but clearly not. Um, And something called AC12. I don't know what that is. Um, you know, sounds like a nickname for someone who plays for an American football team. Fuck knows. Never seen Line of Duty. Not to say I won't watch it, but everyone saying the last episode shit kind of makes me not want to bother. Um, but with that being said, um, the parallel is there with Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones is one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Make no mistake about it. It really is a cultural phenomenon. Um, it's one of them shows again, HBO, you know, a show I want to talk about is Sopranos and we'll touch on it briefly because that had a a weird ending as well. But Game of Thrones, just another HBO masterpiece. Um, Aside from, I will admit, aside from the last episode, and there was a couple of things in the last episode that really annoyed me. One of them being the story of it at the end. You know, it, it should have just gone down the traditional route. The person we all wanted to become the hero becomes the fucking hero and we're done with it, you know, and that's it. Bottom line, finished, finito, all done. Um, Instead of that, we got what we got. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen Game of Thrones, because even though the ending is shit, I would still recommend that you go and watch it. Now, I will give a few spoilers for Game of Thrones with what I'm about to say, but a lot of people shit on the whole last season. You know, apart in the last couple of seasons, there were some timing issues like, you know, how did Gendry run back so fast and how the fuck did she get the dragon up there so fast? And, and you know, like there were silly things like that, you know, um, that just kind of I think it was just episode cramming for whatever reason, you know, budget constraints, time constraints, whatever. Um, but the last season I thought was really, really good. In fact, one of the best episodes in the entirety of Game of Thrones is episode two of the final season. Um, it's absolutely outstanding. It's a, it's an absolute masterpiece of an episode. A lot of stories get tied up. There's a lot of emotion there. There's a build when you, you know what's coming. You know what's about to happen. It's an emotional... It, it put me on an emotional roller coaster. The scene with Brienne 
the reveal of um, R plus L equals J. You know, it's, that's kind of a spoiler, but it's not really a spoiler for those of you who've seen it. You'll know what I mean. Um, you know, so many different. You know, the preparation for the final battle that they well, the second to last battle. Um, it was just great. It was just great all round, and um, obviously the Battle of Winterfell. Fuck me, what what an episode! You know, the battles in Game of Thrones. You know, whether it's Battle of the Bastards, which is probably the best one, you know, Winterfell. I know it took a lot of flack because it was dark and stuff, but there are, you know, there's been episodes that have been released on the internet since then have been brightened and stuff. So, you know, um, you do get to see a lot more. And uh, yeah, I've gone back and watched it several times and just wow, just wow. It's just a roller coaster. Um, the music in, in the final scenes as well. Ah, oh, fucking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And, you know, people got really, really pissed. Where people got really pissed was episode five, the penultimate episode, where one of the main characters flips out, goes batshit crazy, and just just goes on a murderous rampage and just kills thousands of people. Now, how did you not see that coming, first of all? Because she was fucking crazy from early. She was burning motherfuckers from early. So how you didn't see that? I'll never know. For people to sit there and say it's out of character, you're not paying attention. What fucking show were you watching? Do you know what her name is? <laughs> it's it's incredible. Do you know what the name of the series really is? <laughs> you know? It's um it's insane. It's absolutely insane that people were so vexed about that. And you know, I get it, you don't want to see one of your favourites go bad, but it was always on the cards. It was always on the cards. Um but yeah, for me the final episode was a letdown. It was very rushed and, um, yeah, just wasn't very good. <laughs> With that being said, Game of Thrones is still one of the best shows of all time. And I'm sure Line of Duty is every single little bit as good as people thought it was for the majority of the rest of the seasons. You know, no show's perfect. And, you know, the closest show that's ever come to it, in my opinion, is The Sopranos. And even The Sopranos had the weirdest ending. And again... If you haven't seen The Sopranos, go fuck yourself, first and foremost. But if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it with the last episode and my theory behind it and stuff. Maybe we could do a, a proper Sopranos episode. In actual fact, I've got a friend who's a Sopranos anorak like myself. So maybe we'll do that at some point and go into uh, go into the ending of The Sopranos and what it means. But it pissed a lot of people off. Um, there's not many shows that have ended perfectly. And... You're never really, in today's internet day and age as well, you're never really going to end a show in a way that keeps absolutely everybody happy. I think that's important to remember as well. Uh, there was a lot of people I knew that were quite satisfied with the Game of Thrones ending, for example. Um, there was a lot of people that were fans of endings of various shows. I mean, The Sopranos, it was weird. It was a weird ending, but the more I watch it and the more I go back and look at it, and the more I have my own theory on what happened, um, yeah, makes sense. It actually makes sense. If anything, I think it's a very good ending. But uh, yeah, you know, it happens over time. I think The Wire had a good ending. Breaking Bad, the ending wasn't bad of Breaking Bad. Um, I did enjoy the El Camino that they brought out with Jesse Pinkman afterwards, a little after story for Jesse. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, it wasn't exactly the best thing in the world, but it was good. It was good fun. Good fun to watch. But yeah, guys, if you're a, if you're a Line of Duty fan, just chill the fuck out. It's not the end of the world. You didn't waste your time because you were entertained and you went on a roller coaster the whole time through that show. I'm saying that as someone who's not seen it. Um, 
But, you know, as someone who's seen shows that have had disappointing endings, I wouldn't change Game of Thrones for the world. You know, I can go back and watch um, the the Battle of Blackwater, for example. I can go back and watch that episode a dozen times. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Battle of the Bastards, as we mentioned, you know, the attack on on the, the, the castle, Castle Black. Um, so much, so much on there. And just one-liners from the likes of Bronn and Tyrion and stuff like that. Just a great series. Just a great, great series. And, you know, you can't let that final episode ruin, you know, seven, eight years of just complete cinematic mastery. You just can't. Um, so, yeah, chill the fuck out. Don't worry about it. There'll be another series along soon that um, I'm sure you'll get annoyed or upset at. Um, if not, go and watch that season of uh, Married at First Sight Australia and, and get your knickers in a twist about Jess, you know. Have fun. If you really enjoy being angry that much. <laughs> now, that was a shit show, Jesus Christ. But yeah, there's so much out there. There's so much good content. And it's, it's why I want to say thank you to people who've been listening to the podcast. Because to be able to take time out of your day with all of the content and all of the movies and stuff that are out and the series and stuff. To be able to sit and listen to me for a couple of hours, you know, once a week is, um, you know, I'm really appreciative. I think it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, keep it up. Keep up the uh, Keep up the support. You know, speaking of content, I've been watching a lot of uh, Grey's Anatomy recently. I hadn't seen it before, and my partner I've mentioned on the show before, She, she's a healthcare worker, she works in a hospital in, in the city, and um, she's uh, she she's a big fan of Grey. She's watched it all the way through, ever since the start, and I kind of picked it up at the end of the, I think, season 16 that aired, and it kind of ended abruptly because COVID hit, obviously, and they, they shut down and stuff, but it's back now, and obviously... They blend a lot of reality into the series. So they're currently dealing with the pandemic in it. So obviously it's it's quite a tough watch for her at times. And, and I've really enjoyed being with her to watch it. And also the spin-off Station 19, which is, if anyone's seen it, is also a brilliant, brilliant show. Um, I've been watching them both with her. And the trouble with it is, is there's such a long backstory. We're on season 17 now. Um, but there's such a long backstory with so many characters that things happen and people come back in flashbacks and people get mentioned and I'm like who the fuck was that and she has to explain it so rather than her explain every single little detail to me I've actually gone back to season one which is on Amazon Prime it's up there for free up until the last season and um, yeah I've gone back to the start and I've binge watched it I'm on like season seven now or something which is a bit nuts Um, yeah so I'm I'm getting into it now I know who's who I know a lot of the backstories, a lot more of what I have been watching makes sense. And fuck me, what a show. What a show. Unbelievable. Um, just, again, an emotional roller coaster at times. Really, really was. Uh, just, yeah, I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it again. But, um, yeah, some of the stuff that happens to the patients, some of the stuff that happens to the doctors, the losses, you know, there's a couple of episodes of like where shootings happen and stuff like that and again you know i won't spoil anything i'll give too much away but 100 percent worth a watch uh if you ever get time and you want to go back and watch something but as i say it can be quite deep and it can be quite um can be quite brutal to watch especially some of the surgery scenes are a bit like jesus fucking christ whoever the makeup team is on that show is uh doing a seriously good job a seriously good job um but yeah, so just a couple of little recommendations there. A few other things I watched recently. I watched a show called Manhunt on Netflix. 
Uh, it's been out for a couple of years now. The first series was all about the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. There is a documentary about him on Netflix, but Manhunt is like a you know a made series. Paul Bettany plays him. He plays a Unabomber. And uh, yeah, that was excellent. Season two is about Richard Jewell, who was... He was a guy who was a security guard working at the Olympic Games in Atlanta in 1996 and a bomb went off. But before the bomb went off, he managed, he spotted the bag where the bomb was in and he managed to clear the area. And um, a nail bomb went off, killed a couple of people. But if it wasn't for him, hundreds probably would have died. And um, he somehow managed to get framed for it. And I say somehow, it was the fault of the news reporters and various other outlets and stuff and they were just trying to point the finger at him but yeah the second season of Manhunt is all about him and the story about what happened to him and there is a film called Richard Jewell that uh, Clint Eastwood made that's that's probably worth a watch as well it's something I haven't got around to watching myself yet but now I've seen the series Manhunt you know it's season two on Netflix about him and now I've seen that uh, I'm probably going to go back and watch the film in all honesty because uh, I really really enjoyed that series I really enjoyed the show so much on Netflix that is pretty good. Uh, we've just finished watching Glow, which I mentioned uh, a couple of episodes ago. I hope that gets renewed for a season four because it can't end like that. And that's not to say that it was a bad ending. That's just to say that it ended obviously with the idea of it continuing. But due to some cuts and COVID and everything else, it's kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit, which is, um, you know, not ideal. Not ideal by any stretch of the imagination, but... We are where we are in these current times. Obviously, um, you know, a lot of shows have been pulled and not really a lot you can do about it. You know, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, definitely worth a watch. Glow. It's very funny. It's definitely, I thought it'd be a little bit more one for the girls, but it's not. It's actually, uh, it's a really, really good watch. I also watched the uh, series Waco, which was about, obviously, if anyone knows about the Waco disaster in the early 90s, David Koresh and the cult in Waco, Texas, the Branch Davidians. Um, that was on Netflix at one point. I think it was Paramount that made it. It was on Netflix at one point. It's now no longer on there, but I watched it because I've got my uh, trusty fire stick with every single fucking series on it. Um, don't ask me where I got it because I won't tell you. Um yeah, the Waco series was brilliant. A lot of the cast from Boardwalk Empire, Michael Shannon and a few others are in that. And uh, yeah, well worth a watch. Definitely worth a watch. Um, it's very good, but the last couple of episodes are really quite dark. When, you know, if anyone who knows the story about Waco, I, and I, I would kind of suggest maybe looking it up before you watch it, because it's not a nice story. But uh, but the show itself, wow. Brilliant. Really, really enjoyed it. And you know, it's the one the one thing that's sad about lockdown ending is I probably won't spend as much time vegging in front of the TV as I have done over winter, watching various shows that I never got around to watching. There's a few that I still haven't got around to watching that I need to catch up on. Um, someone's recommended to me The Boys on Amazon Prime. It's an Amazon series. It's supposed to be really, really good. A little bit of a superhero thing, but with a twist. So that's one I've got saved on the watch list, but... Um, Currently really addicted to Grey's Anatomy, so I'm ploughing through it. Shouts out to Blaze. Big shouts out to uh, the former guest on the podcast, DJ Blaze. I know he loves a bit of Grey's as well. We had a we had a conversation about it off air after we finished recording a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, rambling on about random TV shows. Probably get into, uh, get into a little bit of UFC and boxing. Interesting for me. I actually sat and watched a bit of boxing this weekend, which I don't usually do. You know, ever since I became a big MMA fan... 
big UFC fan, um, you know, back in the early 2000s. Boxing's kind of been dead to me now. I was a huge, huge boxing fan. So much so, in fact, if you go back through the BBC website archives about 15 years, there's an article that I actually had published on there when I was about 16 years old talking about Winky Wright being the best pound-for-pound fighter on the planet. I could sit and waffle about boxing all day. Those early 2000s for me, you know, especially in British boxing, the days of Ricky Hatton, Joe Calzaghe, etc. It was, you know... It was an obsession for me, and I, I liked UFC at the time, but boxing was was still number one. So, um, you know, I'd like to preface my my uh, my boxing my boxing review with a little bit of my background in 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 fandom of the sport. Um, so we had the Derek Chisora versus Joseph Parker fight at the weekend, and I was out having a drink on Friday night. One of my friends is a really big boxing fan, and I said I thought Parker would just take him to school and, and just beat the brakes off him, but didn't happen like that. All respect to, to Chisora, still doing the damn thing at, you know, 37, 38 years of age. Um, looked really good, came out firing, dropped him in the first round, like first 10 seconds of the fight, um, and then it was back and forth for the rest of it, and yeah, you know, I think Parker edged out the decision. Um Definitely wasn't a robbery by any means, but it was a hell of a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah, decent. I wouldn't have paid pay-per-view for it, though. I don't, I'm not a big fan of these, you know, these these cards being headlined by random heavyweight fights. You know, it's a number, I don't know, where where Parker is now, the number five, six guy in the world. And Derek Chisora, who's, you know, got 11 losses on his record, 12 now, I believe. So, yeah, for me, having to pay 20-odd quid... Or or whatever it was for that card. Mm, not really a fan of that, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, usually you've got to have world titles involved. Now, world titles were involved in the, in the co-main event. Katie Taylor against, I believe her name's Natasha Jonas. I'm not that up to date with, with names in boxing these days, as I say. But um, watched it. Yeah, good fight. Good fight in general. Um, women's boxing, it's not a sexist thing. Um, because women's MMA, I find incredible. Um, in actual fact, a lot of women's MMA fights are better than men's MMA fights. Um, so I'm all for women in combat sports and, you know, Larissa Shields, who's, you know, one of the other main boxing champions in the women's divisions is, um, she's actually joined MMA and she'll be fighting in PFL very soon, but (sighs) women's boxing to me just isn't very entertaining. I don't enjoy it. Um, and I really find it kind of sloppy. I like Katie Taylor as a person. Obviously, what she's done in that division is great. But, yeah, for me, it's it's, it's just not the one. I don't really find it that entertaining. Uh, but this was a good fight by any standards. Um, a lot of people have said Katie Taylor's kind of been gifted decisions in her last few fights. That wasn't the case this time. She, you know, she was the clear and obvious winner in this. Um, good fight, though. Good fight overall. Elsewhere on the card, I think Chris Eubank Jr. won. No real interest in watching him. Um, you know, all the promise in the world when he first started, but uh, who's he fighting? Who are these people that he's fighting? You know, uh, Ricky Hatton's son, uh, at his second fight, apparently he was very good. I didn't watch it. Um, you know, maybe I'll start watching him if he comes along. I was a massive fan of, of Ricky Hatton. Um, and Matthew Hatton as well, for that matter. He was a great fighter too, his uncle. So, so yeah, um, all in all, you know, as I say, I watched the, the, the two main fights and yeah, for, for boxing, it was good. Um, I'm not a massive boxing fan anymore, um, by any stretch of the imagination, although I did used to be, but, um, but yeah, good fights, um, coming up at the weekend, obviously you've got Billy Joe Saunders versus Canelo Alvarez, 
be interesting to see what happens. You know, a lot of people have said for a long time that someone like Billy Joe is the exact style that will give Canelo trouble. I mean, you know, I hope so. Who really knows? Um, you know, Canelo just seems to to step it up a gear every time. I mean, I'm still a little bit bitter because I do believe that, I think we all believe that, that Golovkin, Triple G won that, at least that first fight, if not the second one as well. I mean, he absolutely walked that first fight as far as I'm concerned. It wasn't even close. Um, the embarrassment what happened with the judges' scorecards that night. And again, that's another reason I'm not a fan of boxing, you know. There are mistakes that get made in some UFC events, but, you know, MMA is a very young sport and it's very easy to misjudge things. And, you know, a lot of the mistakes get made are when they fucking have Adelaide Bird there, who is the same person that completely botched the Canelo Triple G event. For whatever reason she botched it, who knows? Um, But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, should never, ever be allowed to judge anything again. Um, there's a shambles, you know. Whether there was some, does there, whether there was something iffy going on there, or she just doesn't understand combat sport. Um, and again, that's not that's not a jibe at her because she's a woman. Because there's plenty of good women judges out there, and as I say, loads of great women fighters as well. But um, yeah, she shouldn't ever be allowed to judge a fight again, in my opinion. And that night was a shambles. And when she's been involved in UFC, she's had a few overly questionable decisions as well. So. But yeah, um, the corruption side of things in boxing, so painfully obvious. I'm not a fan of it. Um, Again, it's one of the reasons that for me, UFC, MMA, but UFC in particular, is is the number one combat sport on the face of the earth. And considering it's only been around since 1993 um, in its current form, you know, the sky is the limit. Well, with boxing, I think the limit is the sky. Um, You know, it's going to be great to to have... um, it's going to be great to have Fury against Joshua. You know, it'd be a you know a big spectacle and everything else. And there are some really good fighters at heavyweight. You know, Deontay's obviously still got a lot to offer, and Andrew Riz is there, and Dillian White, etc. And yeah, it's it's still great to watch. But um, you know, paying twenty pound every couple of weeks to watch another Eddie Hearn card um, full of pretty much nobodies or, or washed up fighters. Um, you know, I know. Callum Ben, I'm not sure if it was an Eddie Hearn card he was on the other night, but I know people talking about he was fighting and oh, I was such a fan of Nigel Ben and that's why I'm going to watch it. And I'm like, well, that's great, but I'm not paying 20 quid to sit there and watch him beat up someone who should have retired 10 years ago. You know, not a fan of it. But as you know, going back to it, Canelo versus, versus Saunders coming up this weekend. And yeah, you know, um, interesting. I can't see anyone beating Canelo, at least not for another good few years yet. Um, you know he is he is the best for a reason, whether it's because of the you know, whether it's because of those dodgy beef tacos, who knows? But um, yeah, Billy Joe Saunders, all the love and support to him in the world. I hope he gets it done. I just can't see it happening. Um, speaking of the next couple of weeks, there's a big UFC coming up that I'm going to talk about. UFC 262, I believe it is. But I want to recap this past weekend's events. And also talk briefly about UFC 261 as well. So as I speak, we're fresh off the back of UFC Fight Night. Reyes versus, I think it's Prohaka. I think it's how you you say his name. I'm sure there's going to be some MMA fan out there telling me I'm wrong. I think it's Yiru Prohaka. Prohaka, sorry. Um, It's for a distinctly Eastern European flavor about this card, actually. Um, So I'm probably going to butcher quite a few names. Um, with regards to the fights that I did watch, I must say, uh, Random Marcos uh, on the undercard got disqualified for an upkick. Um, it's a definite disqualification. People were talking about 
Um, the the woman she was fighting, I can't remember her name, it was her debut fight. She looks pretty good. Um, but they were talking about her play acting once she got hit with the upkick. Listen, same with the Aljamain Sterling thing. If they're acting, they're acting. But fact of the matter is, as a professional fighter with that many fights under your belt, you should know the rules of MMA. There's no excuses, you know. If you if you did something illegal in boxing, you know, like a deliberate punch to the nuts or back of the head or whatever, or kidneys and that, like if the other person milks it for all it's worth, then they milk it for all it's worth. You as a professional in your sport should understand the rules. And, you know, people can't then moan if, if people just, just, just bow out and say, fuck it, I'll get the win, see you later. I'm not interested in fighting this person again. Um, you know, with regards to Randa Marcos, I wish people would stop pretending she's going to be something. I can't see it ever happening. Um, seems a very nice person, you know, obviously puts the work in. But, you know, a lot of people, guys especially, you know, just fawn over her because she's, she's got red hair and she looks a bit naughty. You know, that's that's the reality of it. Stop pretending otherwise. Um, she's got, you know, a stupid amount of losses on her record. I think she's the first female fighter to ever lose more than 10 fights. So, yeah, it's um, it's not going anywhere for Randa Marcos. And I hope she has avenues to, to find something else to do with her career because... I can't see it being much longer that she sticks around uh, in the UFC, if not MMA in total, in uh, overall. So, but yeah, on to the main card of this event. So, uh, UFC Fight Night: Reyes versus Prohaska. Prohaka. Oh, I don't, I'm going to get it wrong twenty times. I'll say it wrong whilst talking about the same fight. Um, another name I'm probably going to get wrong. We're up. Uh, Duwash Willy, I think is how you pronounce Duwalish Willy or something like that. Um, you guys can look up his name and try and pronounce it if you want. Um, against Cody Stamen or Starman, however these Americans like to say these things. I'm butchering everything today. It's very early in the morning that I'm recording this, so um, so just feel lucky that I'm even talking about this stuff. Uh, yeah, great fight. These two have been scheduled to fight, I believe, twice before, and it's fallen through for various reasons. Um, really good fight. Murad picks up the win, obviously, by decision. Um, but yeah, great, really entertaining, lots of takedowns, a hell of a lot of striking. Both guys demonstrating a really good chin. Um you know, just great, high energy, fast paced, not a, not a second without action. So, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Can't fault it. Really enjoyed it. If you get an opportunity to go back and watch that fight, it's the first fight in the main event and the uh, main card. So definitely go and give that a watch. Sean Strickland against Christoph Jotko. Um, I watched bits and bobs of it. I kind of drifted in and out. I was doing a few other bits whilst I was rewatching it. So, um, yeah, it looked like a decent fight. Strickland picks up the win. Oni moves. Um, you know, Jocko's still there or thereabouts, you know, he's not going anywhere for a while, so be interesting to see if these two meet again further down the road. But um yeah, Sean Strickland still uh still moving on, still moving and grooving, keeping on, keeping on. So um yeah, Sean Strickland picks up the win decision, round number three. Um let's have a look at what else was on here. Eon Kutalaba, um, obviously someone who's been involved in some funny decisions as of late. A lot of people have got to know him, possibly for the wrong reasons. Uh, against Dustin Jacoby or Jacoby. Again, there's a distinctly Eastern European flavour about this card, isn't it? Where was it supposed to be held originally is what I want to know. Um, yeah, a draw. I, I've got to be honest, I didn't see the fight. It's the one fight I haven't been able to sit and watch back yet. Um, I think psychologically, because I know it was a draw, um, I kind of just skipped past it. I can't remember. I had the I had the show on and I was sitting watching it. And I think I might have, you know, gone to the Kazi or gone to make a snack or whatever and come back and it had just been finishing up. So I didn't see it. Um, from what I've seen online, it, it kind of was fairly evenly matched. So yeah, sometimes there has to be draws. You know, you're never going to get a definitive answer all the time. Sometimes you have to draw. I know the Americans hate it because they never have draws in their sports. 
Um, you know, they go into overtime in just basic matches, you know. So, um, yeah, they never ever seem to have a draw. They never have like a point sharing situation like we do over here with, you know, even rugby has draws. Um, you know, football, obviously, you know, every single week we have loads of draws. So, yeah, I think it annoys people when it happens. But no, you do get draws in fights. Of course, you get draws in fights. What you don't get draws in are fights like Triple G versus Canelo 1, which is, you know, but yeah. <laughs> uh, co-main event, Giga Chikadze, uh, another Georgian. Um, him and Mirab representing for the Georgian Mandem on the card. Um, yeah, Cub Swanson, man. Legend, absolute legend. Top guy, really cool fella. Glad he's back after, you know, I think he's had one fight since injury, but he was he was out for a while. Um, really glad to see him still fighting. But um, but yeah, not a good night for Cub by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, just over a minute into the fight, Giga hits him with the liver kick from hell and just shuts him down. Completely shut him down. His whole body went. He was on his knees in seconds. And I did, you know, Giga jumped in and landed some shots, but they, they you know. He was just making sure the job was done. It was never going to be necessary. That liver kick was fucking disgusting. Um, hit him when you saw the replay. Because a lot of the time when people kick, you'll see them hit with the roof of their foot. Uh, sort of like a whipping sort of roundhouse kick. This, it looked to me like it landed with the ball of the foot. So the ball of the foot just under the toes, which is um, brutal. Absolutely brutal right in the liver. So interesting to see what he does at featherweight. Um, you know, he's... He's he's moving. He's got momentum, and he's he's clearly an absolute fucking destroyer. So, yeah, some good fights, obviously on the obviously on the high, on the uh, horizon for him. Um, moving on to the main event, this was a fucking fight. Uh, it was always going to be a great fight, but this was this was spectacular. Um, Dominic Reyes against Yuri Prahaka. Again, fuck knows if I'm pronouncing that right. I can't even remember, but. Um, yeah, what can you say? I mean, Prahaka, I think, was the was the slight favourite coming into this, which is crazy considering Reyes fought for the belt in his last two fights. And in my opinion, actually beat John Jones. A lot of people have said it. I've watched it back. And, you know, Jones has had a couple of close fights, you know, with Thiago, um, with obviously Alexander Gustafsson the first time they fought. Um, but Dominic Reyes, for me, if, if anyone out of those guys actually did beat Jones, it was Dominic Reyes. Um but unfortunately, you know, he's come back and he's he's had a fight against um against Jan Blakovic for the uh for the title. Um Jan Blakovic, however you pronounce it. Again, these Eastern European names fuck me. Um nothing much you can say. I, mean, I could say Joanna Jan Jacek, but that's only because it's been said seventeen billion times by other people. So um but yeah, so Dominic Reyes fought Blakovic for the uh for the title. Obviously once Jones stepped up to heavyweight which we'll talk about shortly too. Um, and yeah, lost in brutal fashion to Jan, uh, the legendary Polish power. But yeah, now he's lost to another Eastern European. This was this was crazy. Both guys traded some huge shots. Yiri was hurt at one point. Reyes, if you watch it back, caught him with a peach of a left hand and it definitely stumped him, like, you know, stopped him dead in his tracks for a minute. But the thing is with Yiri, for whatever reason, he has got an insane gas tank. He's got like that Velasquez level of, of gas tank and cardio where it's just like never ending pressure. It's coming at you at a million miles an hour and you better be ready for it. And Reyes, you know, we all joke and, and stuff about the he's the, the fact that he's a great athlete, quotes unquote, but he really is. And, um, you know, it, he, it's a shame. It's a shame that he's, he's, he's on a bit of a losing streak here because um, he's a fantastic fighter and a great talent and seems like a good dude as well. 
which you know we always like to see good people do well but did not do well here um ended up in uh towards the end of the fight ended up in a guillotine he had Yiri in a guillotine on the mat and obviously when he popped his head out with that ridiculous ponytail thing on top of his head excuse me <clears throat> When he popped out um, of the guillotine, he managed to get on top of Reyes, obviously, you know, landed a couple of good shots there. Reyes was able to then get back to his feet, but a matter of seconds later, he was up against the cage getting hit with elbows. And then Yiri finished him off with an absolutely stunning spinning back elbow. It was fucking insane. One of the best finishes you'll see this year in the UFC, if not of all time, really. Um, great. Uh put Reyes out he hit the mat and you know unfortunately it looks like he also you know bashed his head as he hit the deck which um which is never good I hope he's okay but uh you know Reyes hopefully he comes back I, I think the only matchup for him is Rakic who's also in there in the top echelons of that division um who just beat Thiago Santos now Rakic you'd feel would probably get the title shot after Tejera fights Blakovic but I can't see it happening now. Not with Yuri's finish. That was a spectacular. People are going to be talking about him. That's where the buzz is going to be. Rakic has got similar finishes. You know, he's a great fighter. Um, you know, can definitely, definitely challenge for the title. But his last fight was a little bit lackluster. And you understand it because of who he was facing. However, um, you know, these these knockout of the night performances do kind of matter when it comes to selling fights. And one would imagine that the UFC will go with Yuri to fight the winner of Glover versus Jan, which to me is going to be Jan. But we'll see what happens with that. I'm not entirely sure when they are fighting, but I believe that is the fight that's going to happen. And, and all credit to Glover. He's looked great recently. Still doing it in his 40s, you know, big him up. Um but yeah, I do think we're going to see a battle of Eastern Europe one way or another with those guys at the top and um, and we'll see what happens with that. Um, as for Reyes, as I say, I think Rakic should be the obvious fight for him, you know, but he probably needs a little bit of time out right now to, to gather himself and, you know, definitely recover from that fight because he took a lot of brutal shots in that fight, you know, both of them did, as I say, but um, yeah, really classy, really classy guys, both of these guys. Um, and you never know that you know Reyes is still very early in his career as well but they could meet again down the line if one of them was to go and pick up the title obviously Yiri being Yiri being the, uh, the obvious choice there for the title shot so yeah we'll see but all in all great card from what I did watch um, it's not one I'd, I'd stay up for a lot of the time nowadays I only stay up and watch pay-per-views live so you know when I watch some of these fight nights I do get a little bit of a different vibe um, and it's not you know, it's not quite, you know, the way I enjoy watching the uh, the pay-per-views live and, and sitting up all night with coffee and sugar-free monster and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, speaking of that, let's get into my review of UFC 261. Now, I was, like everyone, super excited about this card. A little bit weary about the fact that the fans are back. I I was talking on the, the Paul S podcast to Paul and, and Martin Johnson. Martin's had fights himself, you know, he's, he's actually got a decent record and stuff. And, you know, really great podcast. So if you get an opportunity, obviously it's going to be a little bit dated because it's prior to the event. But, but go back and listen to it because we had a great time and a lot of cool opinions shared on there as well. You know, even with regards to stuff for the future. So definitely go and check that out. But, you know, we were talking about fans being back and how great it is to have them back. But me and Paul were a little bit sad because we enjoy you know, like with the fight card at the weekend, no sound. You know, you hear the fighters, you hear everything the corner saying, you hear the you hear the the the, the, the effort going into the cage and stuff. It's, 
is is special. It's it's really been special and um, also quite painful to listen to at times as well because it's fucking brutal. But um, but yeah, we've really enjoyed it. So um, it was weird to have fans back. Also, obviously, you know, Florida's a fucking wild place, and they've had so much COVID there as well really hope that everyone who went to the event was safe and no one got sick afterwards man because you know as a planet we still need to get rid of this fucking virus you know so um fingers crossed uh no one came away from jacksonville that night with any covid and it didn't cause any spikes or anything like that because it's the last thing anyone needs right now but um yeah let's get into it obviously you know a fairly decent undercard but the fight that stood out for me i, I said it on paul's podcast was uh, was Randy Brown versus uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira, of course. Um, Alex Oliveira is always good for a laugh. He's always entertaining, but he can be an absolute prick as well. It can be a real pain in the ass. He's you know he's been a dirty fighter in the past. He does silly things. You know, like he's a character. He's always going to be worth a watch because he does do some really cool stuff. But you know, I'm not I'm not the greatest fan. Uh, but Randy Brown, now Randy Brown, that is a serious that is a serious guy right there. At welterweight, um, I feel he's someone that can do damage, and you know I'm not entirely sure how old he is, but I'm pretty sure that he's going to be around a while. And the only way is up for Randy Brown. Um, yeah, great, great submission in the first round. Um, he just from the off, from the second he walked in there, just looked like he meant fucking business. Um, and yeah, really, really great, really great end to the prelims. Great way to sell the pay per view if there was anyone left undecided, and why would there be? To be fair, but um, but yeah, really great, absolutely perfect place on the card. Great performance, big up Randy Brown. Um, gets the win, submission in the first round, just uh, just under three minutes, I believe. Um, moving on to the main card, first couple of fights. Wow, how weird. Um. The card looked amazing. You have three title fights on this card for UFC 261. And, you know, it looks great um, on paper. You know, everyone was excited about it. You know, the first fight on the card, Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Crute. Um, Jimmy Crute, up and comer, very young. Uh, you know, can beat people a multitude of ways. Anthony Smith, a veteran, but only 32 years old. 50 fights at the age of 32. Um, it's fucking crazy. He's younger than me. Which is, you know, when I, when I look at it and you look at how much he's done and, you know, he's had a shot at a title and he's fought all over the world in different promotions and, and again, 50 fights. It, it's kind of nuts. Um, I said on Paul's podcast that I felt experience would win him the fight. Uh, oh, as I say, guys, it's very early in the morning. Um, I felt experience would win him the fight. Um, Jimmy Crute did look great. He looked really great in the fight. Um Anthony Smith was, you know, pounding him with the left jab. Like, it was a beautiful shot. It was there for him all night, all the way through the first round. Um, Jimmy Crute, though, was hitting, was hitting Anthony with some brutal leg kicks. And obviously, you know, when, when you're fighting off the jab, you know, whether it's left-hand jab, right-hand jab, you know, obviously Anthony Smith's firing his left-hand jab forward. His left leg has to be planted when he's firing that to get any sort of decent power to push the range on it. So, um he was very susceptible to that leg kick. And we saw, you know, I do believe if he would have carried on through the rounds, we could have seen some serious damage to Anthony Smith's leg, which is fucking ironic given how the fight went. So um, basically, Anthony Smith froze, froze a leg kick of his own. And as we've seen several times in MMA, whether it's Henry Cejudo or, you know, Michael Chandler in Bellator, sometimes even, you know, to a certain degree, Conor McGregor as well, you know, 
sometimes when you throw that that low that low calf kick, um, it can hit that. Uh, I think it's called the perineal nerve, and your leg just goes. It just goes. It shuts down the your ankle. Gives you like what they call drop foot, where you know your foot just doesn't fucking work. Basically, you put your foot down and your ankle rolls. You know, you end up doing your ankle ligaments and getting sprained ankles and shit from it, twisting your ankle. Um, that clearly happened to Jimmy Crew. Couldn't put any weight or pressure on it. Um, clearly could. Clearly wasn't feeling the pain because it was numb. But every time he tried to post on it, it was just, it was mad. What was really insane was as he got hit with it and he went down, he managed to land a fucking takedown and had a, like, he had Anthony Smith in trouble on the ground as well. It was crazy to see. But obviously, um, you know, Anthony Smith survived out the round. Um, you know, what, what's mad is, is Crook, you know, there's an argument that Crook took that first round based on the takedown. Um I don't know what the scorecards were at the time of the stoppage, but, you know, you saw Jimmy Crook walk back to his corner and just, yeah, that that ankle just was not holding out at all. It was slipping to the side. It looked gross. It just, it was fucked. It was completely and utterly fucked. And, um, yeah, felt really bad for him when the fight was called off. But you, you can't let someone go out there and fight on one leg. You just can't, especially given the fact that he's so young. He's got so much potential. He's going to be back. You know, he's going to be back 100%. Uh, and he's going to be an absolute menace at light heavyweight as well. Um, he's someone that can can really trouble these guys. And it's crazy. You know, obviously, we just spoke about the, the, the card this previous weekend with Reyes. And, and um, I'm going to call him Alphabet because I'm going to call him Alf for Alphabet because he's got every every letter of the Alphabet in his fucking name. But Yiri, I'm just calling him Yiri. Um, you know, obviously, we looked at that main event. But it's crazy that now Jones has gone light heavyweight is wide open whereas obviously when he was there um it was just like you know it was him and then everyone else he's you know sort of like sort of like the manchester united of 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 the the 1990s manchester united of mma sort of thing you know it's just him and then a bunch of other people that might come along and do a little bit here and there um but, you know but now he's gone it's a much wide, much more wide open division and, and Jimmy Crook can be someone who takes advantage of that I truly believe that he's got all of the talent in the world all of the potential in the world and hopefully there's no long lasting injury from that kick it's just one of them things Anthony Smith threw it you're not even aiming for a particular place either because you don't know you're going to hit that nerve you're just throwing leg kicks to slow your opponent down but he only threw a couple and he threw that one and fuck me did it have an effect um, which <laughs> funnily enough brings us on to the next fight on the card uh, Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman. Oh my god! Oh my god! Um, on paper, this was something I was really excited to see. Uriah, I know, has been very up and down in his UFC career. He's had some spectacular knockouts. You know, we all look at him as sort of like a a computer game character. You know, he's just got that mad fucking Tekken style to him sometimes. And you do feel with Uriah Hall that the biggest problem with him is is his mental game. Um, and he has spoken quite openly and honestly about that himself in the past. Um, he lost to Chris Weidman. I think Weidman was the guy that beat him for the first time many years ago before they were even in the UFC. Um, when Weidman was, you know, d- just demolishing everyone basically up until he, up until he met Lou Rockhold. But um, yeah, so this was, this was crazy. Uh, the result officially reads as a TKO in uh, 17 seconds into round number one. Um, and Uriah Hall becomes the first person to win a fight without throwing a single punch or kick, I believe. Um, it's quite crazy. Uh, so, what happened here? Well, Chris Weidman threw a leg kick. Again, you know, it's it's a it's a very popular thing now. 
in the UFC to start by throwing leg kicks because everyone knows the damage they can do in slowing down their opponent. Obviously, Uriah Hall is someone that you definitely want to slow the fuck down. Um, Chris Weidman comes out, throws a leg kick. I believe the first one, it connects with what looked just to be either the top of the shin or the knee of Uriah Hall. He kind of half-checked it. Um, and yeah, Chris Weidman's leg snaps in half, breaks the entire lower half of the leg, um, pops around, and as he goes to post it and put weight on it, he steps back, and obviously, you know, the bone's not there to support. So the, his entire lower leg bends in half. The fucking bone, you know, sorry for anyone who's listening, but, you know, if, you, if you're if you going to feel sick, turn it off now. Um, the bone pierced the skin even as he hits the ground, um, you know, fully come out. It, the, the agony that he must have felt. I mean, I know the adrenaline takes over a certain amount, but um, absolutely insane injury. Probably worse than the obvious comparison, which would be when it happened to Anderson Silva when he fought against Chris Weidman, um, which is so ironic. Um, with Anderson's one, you know, he threw the kick and his leg snapped and he, he hit the floor and obviously, you know, he was in a lot of pain. But the one with Weidman where it's it's the, the bone itself was torn through the muscle and through the skin and come out of the other side, that is just fucked. Unbelievable. Um, and you could see Uriah Hall just was so disappointed with it. Um, you know he wanted to have that fight. Um, I hope it doesn't affect him too badly because, you know, it does with some of these fighters. When they're in there with someone and that person gets injured, it's not the one, you know. It's, it's really not the one at all. Um, you have to be a, a very dark kind of asshole to take any kind of joy in something like that happening to your opponents. So um, I hope it doesn't affect Uriah. I hope he gets another fight again soon. Really demoralising, you know. You train so hard. To, to go up against someone who's already beaten you and, and try and get that win back on such a huge event as well. And even for Weidman as well, you know, like training for all of that time to, to, to come out and, and you know, if, essentially have a, have a fight that one strike gets thrown and one person completely destroys themselves and the other person just stands there. You know, it's bizarre, um, but a moment of history, something no, no fan will ever forget. Um, you know, we'll all remember where we were when we saw Chris Weidman break his leg, much like we'll remember the Anderson Silver fight as well. Um, yeah, I don't know what happens next with Uriah Hall. There's a lot of talent in middleweight, so we will see. And as for Chris Weidman, I just hope he can, I hope he can recover. I hope he can get well as, as soon as possible. And you know, if he's going to come back, if he's going to come back, he's going to come back. But um, yeah, it's been tough going for Weidman for a long time now. I mean, he was unstoppable up until he fought Chris Rockhold. And ever since then, I think he's only won two fights. Um, you know, two fights in about five years is not ideal, to say the least. Um, but I'm a Weidman fan. I, I like him as a human being. He's a good guy. Um, and, you know, Godspeed. Hopefully he recovers well. Um, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for him and his family. Um so yeah, three title fights, three title fights on this card. Now, usually when you have one of these cards and it's three title fights, it's a little bit of a worry that they're all going to be decisions and they're all going to drag on and you're going to end up set up. You know, from my perspective, as I say, like, I, I like to sit up to watch pay-per-views. I do have a little sleep on a Saturday evening and then I get up about 10 p.m., make some food and and I, and I plant myself in front of the TV. But um, from my perspective, when you have three title fights on a card, a lot of the time they'll go to decision and it just fucking drags the card out until 7am, and it's just like, oh my god, why, you know, um, but that did not happen here, oh lord, did that not happen here, um, first fight, first title fight on the card, women's flyweight fight between Valentina Shevchenko and Jessica Andrade, um, 
I made a point on the Paul S podcast that I believe Andrade is the first person to fight at all three weight classes for women. Um, we have featherweight, but you know it's not really a weight class. It hasn't even got rankings. Um, it's just something for Amanda to do when she's bored, basically. Um, but yeah, so Andrade obviously started at 135, moved down to 115, and now she's fighting at 125. I thought she'd give um, Shevchenko a little bit more of a fight than she did give her, but, you know, didn't work out that way. And Valentina Shevchenko just beat that absolute breaks off her. Um, TKO round number two, three minutes and 19 seconds into the second round. Um, yeah, brutal, brutal to watch. Um, you know, it got to the stage where Andrade, uh, where Shevchenko had full control of Andrade on the mat and was just pounding, pounding the shit out of her. And what can you do? You know, when, when Shevchenko wants to put them crucifix style positions on you and, and everything else, it's insane. Um, there's, there's no getting out of it. There's no escape. The only fight, obviously, on the horizon for her would be Amanda Nunes. Uh, but if Nunes would fight her again or not is is a different story. At the moment, there's there's plenty of people at 125 still coming up, you know. But none of them even come close. I was kind of hopeful that we'd see, you know, in the strawweight fight, I was hoping that the the result would be slightly different and maybe maybe Zhang Wei Li could have gone up to fight Shevchenko. I think that would be a pretty cool fight. Um, Zhang is a little bit more naturally bigger than a lot of the straw weights. So um, that's a fight I would have liked to have seen. I'd still like to see, to be fair. Um, but yeah, Shevchenko is head and shoulders above everyone else. It's, it's absolutely fucking terrifying. Um, no idea what she does next. Maybe she just stays at 125 and just... Just John Jones is the division, you know, just 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 beats up everyone who comes along and and just cracks on doing what she's doing. Um, but yeah, you know, a, a decent enough fight. But I think Andrade was like, you know, 500 to one to, to win that. So um, not really any surprises there at all. What was surprising was the women's strawweight mate uh, co-main event. Um, it, it's crazy because I never doubted Rose as such, but. I'm a big Wei Li Zhang fan. I think her fight against Joanna uh, is a Hall of Fame fight that will stand the test of time. Um, absolutely incredible. I think she's an incredible fighter. I think she's a very good person as well. Um, I'm glad after the fight that Rose apologized for some of the stuff that came out in the media with regards to China being a communist country and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, she did say it was nothing personal with Wei Li. She's a cool person and stuff. And, and I believe that, you know, I'm... Firmly of the belief that you shouldn't judge people based on the actions of their governments and stuff like that, you know. Um, I think that's that's not fair. It's not kind. Whaley doesn't tend to represent China as as an institution or as a country or anything like that. You know, she, she's, she flies her flag, but, you know, she represents her people. And I think it's very important. She's a great role model to children. Um, and she'll be showing a lot of kids in China what you can do if you believe in yourself and work hard, you know. So I'm a big Wei Li Zhang fan and I was I was shocked at this result in a sense that I thought this was going to be a war. I thought this was going to be more like the Joanna fight. And not that I didn't believe in Rose, but, you know, I really did believe in Wei Li. Um, so to see her get knocked out in the first round, uh, just over a minute into the first round, was insane. Uh, all credit to Rose. Beautiful head kick. Absolutely perfect. Doesn't get better than that. Um, just Just spot on. Just completely spot on. Amazing. Uh, we all know that Rose kind of lost the title via what was really a fluke for Andrade. Um, you know, she was absolutely piecing her up in the first part of the fight and she just got dropped on her head. It is what it is. There was no real 
I don't think Andrade was planning on spiking her on her head. She was just going for the takedown. You know, it's one of them freak things that happens. Uh, and obviously Rose went and got that win back. But yeah, um, it's crazy because there, there, there are a lot of contenders at strawweight. Obviously, Joanna will probably be there um, for the for the, for the the rematch with Rose. But Rose has beat her twice. I really can't be fucked to watch that. You know, I really don't want to watch that fight again because I think it's going to be even worse. I think Rose will batter the sh- just, just batter her again. I think she really will just batter her again. You know, Rose was standing in the corner before the fight just saying, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best. And when she's on point with her mental game, Rose, she's unstoppable. Uh, you know, she's, you can clearly tell, and I think she's spoken openly about it before, about some of her self-esteem issues and some of the stuff she's been through growing up and, you know, you know, kind of having to look after herself and whatnot. And, you know, the, the self-doubt in her must be incredible for her to have to stand there and tell herself that she's the best before a fight when, in reality, we all can see it. Um, but, you know, whatever helped her get through, I suppose. And, and yeah, great victory for her. I don't know what happens with Whaley from here on out. There's there's a lot of great fighters coming up, you know. Mackenzie Dern seems to be knocking on the door, for example, so maybe that's something that happens down the line. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, really great co-main event. Rose Namajunas is once again the uh the women's strawweight champion and i believe that makes her the first ever female fighter to regain a ufc title so um awesome stuff for for rose namayunas and uh yeah we'll probably see a third match of her and joanna so it is what it is um won't be that excited about it personally but you know there we go uh one thing i was excited about was the uh was the rematch at well away now I mentioned earlier I was on the Paul S podcast and when we spoke about it, I said I wasn't that fussed about watching this fight. But when Martin Johnson was on the podcast, he sat there with us and and explained why he was excited for it and the variables between, you know, having a full camp and not because obviously he's he's trained and fought himself, you know, and done weight cuts himself. Um, So once if you listen back to the podcast once he started talking about it, I then got excited about the fight and I was like, you fucking sold this fight to me, man. Like, I'm on board now, like I'm all in. And I was, um, you know, when, when Jorge walks out to the Scarface music, it's quality, you know, he's a character. Um, he is a good fighter. There's no doubts about it. <sighs> he is a really good fighter. Um, he's had some great scraps. Obviously the Ben Askren thing was again, a, a little bit of a, of a fluke thing. He, he did plan it. So it wasn't like he did it by accident, but you know, a lot, nine times out of 10, that doesn't happen, you know? So, um, yeah, Jorge Masvidal, he's a character, you got to love him, really cool guy, you noticed it after the fight as well, uh, which we'll get to, just what a cool guy he is, um, but yeah, I was all in, I was all in for this, I am a huge Kamaru Usman fan, a lot of people don't like him, I don't know why, uh, well I know why some people don't like him, it's because anytime a black person succeeds they want to pull him apart, but um, be that as it may for Colby Covington fans, Um Kamara Usman is a great, great, great fighter. Uh, the only thing that ever gave me real doubt about him, to be honest with you, was the fight against Damian Meyer, where Damian Meyer did have his back. And for whatever reason, the referee stood it up. It was very, very bizarre. Um, and had Meyer beat Usman that day, who knows how much of Usman's career would be different right now, you know? Um but he didn't, you know, it is what it is. We are where we are. And Usman just keeps proving himself. He just steps it up to another level every single time he fights. You know, he had the fight against Woody, the title fight. Um, 
obviously Woodley now isn't Woodley as he was when he first won the title. And I think that fight was obviously the change for him. But, you know, Woodley was coming off of a great fight against Darren Till where he put Till on his ass. Till never even landed a shot. Um, and, you know, he was able to get the finish with what I believe from memory was a dash choke. Um, and, yeah, like, just riding high. Tyron Woodley was riding high. And uh, and Usman came out and absolutely fucking demolished him for five rounds. Demoralised him. Dragged him to them. Like, Tyron Woodley's takedown defence is incredible. And Usman made him look like nothing. Like, it was an absolutely masterful performance. You know, obviously, he's had the fight with Colby, um, which was a superb fight. It often happens when you have two two seasoned grapplers going up against each other. It does turn into a bit of a boxing match. And, and that's kind of what it was, but, you know, with, with some kicks and stuff. So it was just great. What a great fight. Whatever you want to say about Colby, you know, you trust me, whatever you want to say about Colby, feel free to say around me. Um, I think the man's a piece of shit. But... Um, you know, that fight was absolutely insane. Colby Covington is superbly talented. Um, and his fight with Usman will stand the test of time. For me, it's one of my favourite fights. But Usman, for me, that night was just... Wow. He was incredible. And, yeah, I, I became even more of a fan than I already was. Um, and, yeah, that was a really great win. Obviously, he then had... I believe then after that was the uh, was the Masvidal fight... Um, obviously Masvidal had the the whole BMF thing and, and everything else and riding high on the social media waves and whatnot and, and got himself that fight and yeah it was you know it was on short notice he stepped in for Gilbert Burns on six days notice had to cut like 20 odd pounds and yeah you know it does make a difference it clearly does make a difference um, but Usman done what he had to do he went out there and you know acted like a professional wrestled the guy for five rounds and got the win he then comes up against Gilbert Burns who was tearing for everyone in the division and absolutely fucking weighed him in. Um, you know, Usman, as someone who's come in as a wrestler, has obviously been doing the work with Trevor Whitman, doing the work with, with Henry Hooft and, and whoever else he might be having having time to, time with in his, in his camps. Um, and yeah, just completely and utterly obliterated Gilbert Burns. He did get clipped himself. He got clipped in the first round. Um, but... You know, it happens. Usman is hittable. We saw that with the Covington fight. He's definitely hittable. Uh, we saw it even with Masvidal in this fight. You know, Masvidal landed a few shots in him in the second fight. Um, but, you know, he came out, he made the adjustment, stuck to his fundamentals, as Trevor Whitman's been telling him to do, and just absolutely KO'd Gilbert Burns. And then, you know, obviously come to this rematch. You know, he's staying active as well. Very impressive that he's staying active. He's been fighting more than anyone else at world weight. Um, he's come out against Jorge Masvidal. First fight back with fans, um, and you know I will touch on some of the stuff that the fans are up to that day as well. But um, your first fight back with fans obviously added pressure. Biggest card of the year so far. Um, you know I, I say that I, mean, I think I think it was bigger than the, than the Poirier McGregor card just simply for the fact that it was packed out with fans and there was three title fights on it. Didn't sell as well obviously, but it was a bigger fight, bigger card in my opinion. Um, yeah. In Jorge's home home state, I know Camaro trains there, but you know he's not really a Florida guy, and you know Florida, Florida's uh, attitude towards towards people who class themselves as, as as foreign or immigrants or whatever isn't always isn't always great. So Usman could have definitely expected a hostile crowd that night, but yeah, absolutely beautiful knockout in the second round. First round was good, back and forth. Um, Usman was definitely looking like the better fighter. 
Um, but you know, you just with 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 Jorge, you know, a couple of shots can can put your lights out, and he's a great great striker. So, you know, you can never be complacent or think that the fight's done. And uh, you know, obviously, Jorge's never really been finished like that either. He's I think he's I think he's been submitted once. Um, all his other losses are decisions, but uh, he got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> um, yeah, absolute beautiful right hand, put him out, and then obviously a couple of hammer fists that you know were clearly super necessary at the end there to put him out. And uh, yeah, it was great. What a night of fights! What a night of fights! Unbelievable. Um, yeah, the the hostility towards Usman and in particular Wei Li Zhang. Um, it makes me somewhat uncomfortable. Um, it just, it's just something I'm not a fan of. Uh, you know, if you don't like someone because you don't like someone, that's cool. But there's not really that much reason, especially to not like Whaley. She hasn't said a word. She's never said a word about anyone. She just goes about her business. And I think we can all tell that, you know, we know why. Uh, <laughs> we know why Asian fighters, there were some on the undercard as well. We know why they were getting booed. Um, and that shit needs to change. Because it's not good. It's not good for anyone. It's not good for us as a people. And it's not good for them at all either. Um, the other thing with the fans on the night was the Jake Paul stuff. Ignore that prick. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to sit here and talk about him now for a minute or so. But ignore the prick. He's there. And you've got fighters in the cage. I believe it was, um, I believe it was during the Anthony Smith and Jimmy Crute fight. Where... People were just there, like, chanting, fuck Jake Paul. And you got two of the world's best light heavyweights in the cage fighting each other. You haven't been able to go to a UFC event for over a year. Show some respect to the people in the cage. Stop chanting at Jake Paul. I mean, yeah, fuck Jake Paul. Fuck that guy. No, seriously, fuck that guy. But, like, don't give him the satisfaction. Do not give him the satisfaction of not paying attention to the warriors that are actually in that cage that have been training their entire fucking lives and putting it all on the line in a real fight. Not some stupid celebrity boxing match, but a real fucking fight at the highest level. Don't sit there and disrespect them by cheering for Jake Paul. Fuck that shit. Fuck that shit off. Um, whether you're angry with him and you hate him or whatever, that's what he wants. He wants your attention because then he wants you to go and spend money on watching his shitty little fights against people who've never had proper fights. Um, and Ben Askren. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's insane. To to give that guy so much attention is mad. I'm quite glad that DC went over and bitched him out. Um, at the same time, he shouldn't really, again, he shouldn't really give him the attention. Let's be honest, anyone who knows anything about combat sports knows that DC, if he wanted to, he could literally bend Jake Paul up like a pretzel and have his way with him. Let's just let's just put it that way. Um, it's absurd that someone like Jake Paul would have the audacity to call out an Olympian and a, and a, and a champ champ in the UFC. Like, come on, man. Just and, and let alone someone who's a hundred pounds heavier than him. Just go away. Just just go away. Um, absolute clown. But yeah. Um, that did disappoint me with the live fans with some of the reactions towards some of the Asian fighters and um and obviously the reactions towards uh towards Jake Paul as well. Just just stop giving that kind of attention. But um be that as it may, UFC two sixty one, what an incredible, incredible night. Um one that will live long in the memory for obvious reasons, you know, not just the performances but you know, the the freak injuries and stuff like that. Something we will never ever forget. Um 
The next fight night coming up was meant to be on the 8th of May and it was going to be Sanhagen versus Dillashaw. That's obviously been cancelled because uh, or, the, or the fights might still be on, but Dillashaw's out. Uh, a lot of fighters have pulled out recently of, of various different fights. And um, yeah, so I'm not entirely sure exactly what's going to happen with that card this coming weekend. But um, next weekend, we're going to be having uh, UFC 262. Uh, at the Toyota Center, which I believe is in Texas, um, Houston or Dallas, I can't remember now. Uh, but yeah, really, really incredible card. Uh, gonna have a look at some of the fights on there now. Just putting it up. Um, early prelims are here. Uh, Lando Venata's on the early prelims against Mike Grundy, UK's own Mike Grundy, out of Team Calbon. Um, big shouts out to to Mike Grundy. Um, you know. You always got to support the English fighters. This is actually a good opportunity for him to get back on the win sheet. You know, he's uh, he's had a difficult time as of late. And um, yeah, he's, he struggled in his first few UFC fighters. And I think he struggles at the level. But Mike Grundy is a great talent. So all power to him. Hopefully he comes up with a win. Lando Venata is obviously a great talent as well. Uh, he's had some really entertaining fights in the UFC. So this one will be a war. That's my one to watch with regards to the early prelims. Uh, there's a couple of other decent fights on there as well. But... But that's the one. That is the one right there. Lando Vanau versus Mike Grundy. Um, you've got the on the prelims, Andrea Lee against Antonina Shevchenko. So that's the, the other Shevchenko sister. That will be interesting. You've also got um, Schnell versus Bontorin. That's a decent fight. Jacare, Ronaldo Jacare Souza against Andre Muniz. Uh, yep, good fight, but the, the standout fight for me is Jack Hermanson versus Edmund Shabazian. Obviously, Edmund Shabazian, all the talent in the world, has got a loss now, so we'll see how he bounces back. Um, and Jack Hermanson's obviously looking to regain some momentum as well that he, he had you know, up until about a year or 18 months ago. Um, yeah, really, really great fight in the middleweight division there. That's a really important one. Definitely my pick of the prelims, uh, Jack Hermanson, Edmund Shabazian. Yeah, looking forward to that with great interest. It's, it's again UFC. All credit to him. Is this is a truly, truly fantastic card. Love it. Um, looking ahead at the main card, uh, we kick things off with Shane Burgos versus Edson Barboza at featherweight. Edson looked good at featherweight. You know, he did. He looked full of energy and stuff. So you know, maybe this is more of a long term home for for him. I don't know um, if he's still got what it takes to to move up to the top of the division, but we'll see. Uh, this will be really, really. Great test for Shane Bogos and and see 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 where he goes in the future. Um, great fighter, thirteen and two record. So yeah, we'll see. Um, that's a great fight to open up with. We've also got Caitlin Chukagian, who I think is a really talented fighter. It's just a shame that she lives at a time when Valentina Shevchenko exists. Uh, she's taking on uh, Vivian Araujo. Araujo. I, can't, I can't say her name. I'm butchering things again. It's it's six in the morning. I'm I'm too tired for this shit. Um, and then, you know, our, our three top fights. I'm so excited. I am so excited about these top fights here. Um, Tony Ferguson is back, taking on Benil Dariush. Dariush is the dark horse of the lightweight division, in my opinion. That guy can really, really go places. Benil Dariush against Tony Ferguson. Tony has to win this fight. He can't not win this fight. If he doesn't win this fight, I don't see a way back for him. 
Uh, if he comes out and does something, if he comes out and does a Tony Ferguson and does, a, you know, a wild submission or a wild finish or something, you know, this 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 could be fun. This could be real fun. Um, and Tony could get back on the map. But, um, yeah, Benil Darius has a real opportunity to put himself in title contention here. Uh, and I don't say that lightly either. You know, he's, he is a great talent. He's a great fighter. He's had some great wins. And, um, yeah, Tony Ferguson... Unfortunately, at the moment, looks to be like the gatekeeper. He'll need to win this to make sure that that doesn't become the case. But, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm going Tony Ferguson with this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna make my prediction and go Tony Ferguson, um, just because you know we all love T Ferg, we all love El Kukui. Um, but yeah, it's uh, could be a long night for him. Uh, speaking of long nights, the co-main event, I believe, for the first time ever, is going to be a five-round fight. From what I remember reading, um. Leon Edwards against Nate Diaz in the co-main event is going to be a five-rounder, which is interesting. I don't know why they've done it, um, but, you know, this 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 fight in itself could main event a pay-per-view as far as I'm concerned. You know, I spoke earlier in the podcast about how, you know, Eddie Hearn puts together all of these uh, boxing fights with, you know, a non-title fight of the number five guy versus the number 10 guy uh, and expects everyone to pay £20 for it. Well, this is a UFC welterweight main event of Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. And I would pay £20 for this event. Uh, luckily enough, I believe it's on BT Sports. So those of us in the UK won't have to. Um, but yeah, Leon Edwards against Nate Diaz um, as a co-main event, five rounds. Fuck me. I am so excited for this. So excited for this. Um, I think Leon Edwards gets it done. Uh, and I believe we see Nate Diaz get knocked out for the first time in his career. That's just my prediction. Leon Edwards is much more of a natural welterweight. Nate's obviously spent most of his career at lightweight. Uh, he is a big guy, but he's, you know, he doesn't, when I say he's a big guy, I mean, he's a tall guy, you know, uh, he doesn't have the frame of a natural welterweight, not like, not like his brother or definitely not like Leon Edwards. And Leon has looked in incredible shape as of late, just in physical shape. But, um, even when he came out against Bilal, you know, he looked determined, he looked fresh, he looked ready to snap, he was he was on it. And I was gutted that um, that, that fight didn't go anywhere. And obviously, you know, what happened, happened with the eye pokes and stuff. But um, yeah, Leon Edwards, man, it's his time. It is his time. He's got to step up and uh, and take what's his. If Nate gets the win, Nate fights Usman. Uh, that's as simple as that. I mean... You know, we're looking at Kamara Usman. We're looking at him probably having the Colby Covington rematch, which will be a good fight, I'm sure. Uh, I can't see Covington beating Usman, not with the way things are. Uh, I could be surprised, and we could be looking at one of the greatest trilogies of all time, in which case, I'm more than happy for that to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I see Usman holding on to the title against Covington and, and then fighting the winner of this fight. Leon Edwards definitely deserves his title shot at this point. Um, he has deserved it anyway. Uh there's also obviously the option of the Masvidal fight for Leon Edwards. That would sell big, uh, particularly if it was held over here. That would be fucking huge. Um, but yeah, Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. If Nate wins, don't be surprised. Do not be surprised if he walks straight into a title shot. He will be beating, you know, the number two or number three welterweight in the world anyway. So you can't really argue that he doesn't deserve it. But also just from a box office perspective, Nate Diaz versus Kamaru Usman. Sign me the fuck up to that. Um... If anything, that's probably what the UFC are hoping will happen here. Uh, they know Leon Edwards isn't a big draw. You know, I love the guy, but he's not. Simple as that. He just isn't. Usman's not a particularly big draw, despite the fact of, of how fucking good he is. Um, so I believe that the UFC would be hoping that Nate Diaz actually goes out there, uh, you know, in true Nate Diaz style and, and puts on a triangle or, you know, or chokes a guy out of a guillotine or something and gets the win and then 
they've got cause to put him up against Usman on a massive fight, maybe uh, maybe the end of the year pay-per-view, you know, because I'm reading that Usman wants to fight again in June, which is insane um, to fight three times in three months to defend your title. That would that would be absolutely fucking ridiculous. Um, but yeah, Usman seems to be stepping up to new levels that we, we, we yet to see in a workweight division. So who's to say he won't do it? But yeah, for me in this one, I do believe Leon Edwards gets it done. I believe he's going to knock Nate Diaz out and... I would be, um, all I'm going to say is watch out for the left elbow of Leon Edwards, the left elbow over the top. Um, that's my shot of the fight, so so bear that in mind. The main event, I can't call. I'm very, very torn with the main event for UFC 262. Um, Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. Charles Oliveira's had a bit of a mixed bag at points in his career where he's had great wins, but he's also followed them up with losses. And, you know, then other times where he's had losses and followed them up with a bounce-back great win. Um, he does seem to be on momentum. He does seem to be on a tear. He definitely deserves a title shot. Had Conor McGregor not, you know, decided not to come back, I believe um, Oliveira should have had the title shot against Poirier. I don't think they would have gone that route. I reckon it would have been Poirier versus Chandler uh, and Oliveira would have got robbed. But obviously with Poirier being tied up with the trilogy fight with Conor McGregor, which, you know, is also going to be huge. Um, this is a perfect opportunity for these guys to fight it out. The odd man out here is obviously Justin Gaethje in the lightweight division. He gets left behind. But, you know, what can you do? It, it is what it is. The, not everyone can fight for a title. Gaethje's last fight, he fought for a title and he lost very convincingly. So he should probably have one more fight before he gets back into the title mix. Um, you know, with a fighter like Gaethje, you're looking at, you know, McGregor could go and beat Poirier. And, you know, whoever wins this title fight, you know, for 262, might be injured or be out. You could be looking at Poirier versus Gaethje by the end of the year, possibly for like an interim title or something like that, you know. Um, so Gaethje shouldn't worry too much. I'm sure whoever he fights next is going to be headline blockbuster fight, um, which is what he deserves because he is an absolutely fucking amazing fighter and, you know, deserves deserves to be paid. So, you know, you never know. We could see that McGregor-Gaethje uh, fight at some point, but... You know, for the time being, the two that they've picked, Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler. Um, as I say, Oliveira's had a bit of a mixed bag. And and Chandler's obviously only on his second fight in the UFC. For anyone who says he doesn't deserve a title shot, you're fucking insane. You're actually mad. Um, you know, he's got the opportunity to make history here. Um, you know, following the footsteps of Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez came over, a Bellator champion, won the UFC title. Um you know, it, he, could, he could really stamp his authority here. It does make things interesting on a broader scope, though, because obviously Chandler lost his title to, uh, I believe it was Pitbull, in Bellator, um, who was the champ champ over there. And, yeah, it does it does make it interesting. If Chandler wins the UFC title, it does make it interesting as to who's the best. For the record, I think Poirier beats them all. Um I think the only person that beats Poirier at this point is possibly, possibly, and I say this, a 30% chance is Conor McGregor. Um, just because of the fight IQ and the adjustments that he can make and shaking off the ring rust and stuff. If he doesn't beat Poirier this time, then I think it's over for Conor McGregor in the UFC, quite honestly. Uh, as Khabib said, you don't have two primes. You know, you have one prime and that's it. Um but we'll see. We'll see with that. That's a whole other conversation. But yeah, you know, Michael Chandler um, came out in his first fight in the UFC. <sighs> Done damage, man. Done some serious fucking damage. Uh, absolutely sparked out Dan Hooker. And who's to say that Michael Chandler cannot go on to become UFC 
champion of the world at lightweight. Um, interesting to see. I can't call it. The styles are very different. Charles Oliveira's got great striking. Um, really has got great striking. He's, you know, a lot more in the, in the vein of um, a Tony Ferguson, for example. Great striking, great jiu-jitsu. Not necessarily known for his wrestling, but he can grapple. Obviously, with his great jiu-jitsu, you know, that becomes an excellent defense for some of the wrestling as well. So, yeah, he's he's a different kind of fighter to Chandler, who's more of that, you know, as McGregor once described it, as a stocky wrestler with an overhand. Um, that's how, that is how you could perfectly describe Chandler. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, because the style does work, and it does win fights, and it does win titles, clearly. Um, Eddie Alvarez was the same. So, yeah, interesting. Interesting to see. Um I am going to go, oh, it's difficult. It's difficult, this one. I am going to go Michael Chandler by knockout. Um, yeah, I just see it happening. I think it's destiny. Uh, I think Michael Chandler cements his place in the Hall of Fame as one of the greatest lightweights to ever live. Uh, I would love to see him fight Khabib. I would love to see Oliveira fight Khabib. Um, I'd love to see anyone fight Khabib, to be honest. Fucking anyone. Literally anyone. Jake Paul, <laughs> definitely Jake Paul. Um, but yeah, Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler. I'm going Michael Chandler. I think it's destiny. I think he's up there um, with the best of all time. And um, But yeah, I'm happy to be proved wrong because Charles Oliveira deserves it as well, you know. And yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, this fight's taking place in May. You've got Poirier versus McGregor in July. One would imagine that Gaethje would possibly get the first title shot. I don't know. Uh, I think if McGregor wins, it's hard not to give it to him. Then again, if Poirier wins, it's hard not to give it to him as well. But uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Lightweight, once again, lightweight and welterweight, obviously always going to be the two most talent stacked uh, divisions in the UFC. One of the reasons for that is because most of the people that fight in those divisions walk around at the average male weight. Um, you know, everyone's just like, oh, oh, why are those two divisions always so packed? It's like, well, because that's the average weight of a human being. That's where people walk around at. Most like most bigger guys' natural weight is at about you know one eighty five, one ninety, and they cut down to one seventy. You know, likewise, you know a lot of other guys weigh around one seventy and they cut down to one fifty five. You know, it's just it's just the average size of human beings, and that's why you end up with the most there because you know that's the size of most people. So it's just basic genetics and math, really. Bro science, actually, we'll call that bro science because I did just come up with that bullshit off the top of my head. I'm not even sure that's real, but it sounds real to me. So fuck it. Um, you know, we live in a world where whatever's real in your head is apparently uh, is apparently the right thing. So um, yeah, it's uh, a great time to be a UFC fan, and um, yeah, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks with with the events and stuff. Just looking even further forward into the summer, um, you've got uh, later on in May, you've got uh, Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt. Great fight. That's a really great fight. Looking forward to that. Uh, a couple of really cool fights on the undercard there as well. So that will be good. UFC 263 is apparently booked for the 12th of June. Uh, Israel Adesanya against Marvin Vittori. Um, with the co-main event being the flyweight title. Rematch, uh, Davison Figueredo against Brandon Moreno. We've also got Damian Meyer on that card against Bilal Mohamed. That's a great fight. Um, Paul Craig against Jamahal Hill. Again, a great fight. Big up, uh, big up, Mr. Hill. Um, clearly, we're related somewhere back in the day. Um, <laughs> Drew Dober is coming back against Brad Riddell. Um, I believe that fight was supposed to happen 
on one of the recent pay-per-views i think 260 maybe or 261 so um so yeah that one's that one's up and that's for ufc 263 uh later on in the summer cyril garner is booked to fight volkov and then obviously on july the 10th you've got poirier versus mcgregor and the co-main event has been announced as gilbert burns versus stephen wonderboy thompson so summer is lining up to be absolutely huge for ufc Fuck knows what's happening with boxing. As I say, you know, Fury versus AJ is something that's supposed to be happening, but will it ever get done? Who fucking knows? It's not actually been announced. It's just been announced that they have a contract to fight. No dates have been announced or anything like that. But obviously with the reopening of society and stuff, um, one would imagine that, you know, by August time, they'd be more than happy to stick at least 70,000 people in Wembley. So, yeah, um, great summer. Great summer ahead for, for sports fans unless... Like me, you're a fan of Liverpool, in which case, you know, it's just going to be a summer of being miserable on a shit season. <laughs> Obviously, you know, we've got England playing in the Euros. The Euros are going to be held all over Europe. The final is going to be at Wembley and stuff. So a lot of cool stuff happening this summer. I'm sure there's people that are fans of, of golf and other stuff that listen to this going, yeah, but what about, listen, fuck your sport, I don't care. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, um, brighter days are coming. Things are looking up, uh, not just in the MMA world, but in life in general. So, uh yeah thank you guys for listening very much to my ramblings on for the last god knows how long and um yeah i hope you've enjoyed this solo episode of the over the hill podcast don't forget to follow like share subscribe all of that good stuff um and keep your emails coming in to the over the hill podcast at gmail.com and that includes your confessions and dilemmas and everything else got another special guest lined up for next week's show i'm really happy that i was able to sit down and do a solo show for you guys though it's um it's been really great it's been really great and um yeah i'm gonna go off for breakfast now and, and enjoy the rest of my week so uh catch you guys next week on the flip side in the meantime stay safe and take care of each other peace